Are you looking for a new basketball shoe? If so, this is Gary Parrish here to tell you that the New Balance 2-Way V4 features the groundbreaking use of fuel cell technology with fresh foam creating the ultimate combination of rebound and cushioning. Every step feels explosive and dynamic, and the upper construction features a lightweight textile that's supportive and breathable. So whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the 2-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the 2-Way at newbalance.com. The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads. You've got the H-Track all-wheel drive so you can take on those dirt trails and kick up some mud. Or the third-row seating gets your whole family in to experience the thrill together. The dual wireless charging pads make sure that no one gets stuck in the great outdoors with a dead cell phone. Think about those adventurous activities you can do. Like me, taking a ski trip up with the family, maybe going on a camping expedition, anything and everything. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Hey there, it's Gary Parrish. Welcome back to the CBS Sports Eye on College Basketball Podcast, where we sometimes discuss camel fighting dodo birds and leaky black man. Norlander is here with me. If you watch it on YouTube, smash the like button like your Brandon Davis. You have consent. If you haven't yet, subscribe to the CBS Sports College Basketball YouTube channel. Also do that while you're here. Let's get into it. Today we are continuing our conference previews for the 2023-24 college basketball season. We've already done the Big Ten, Pac-12, and the ACC. Now we're going to turn our attention to the Big 12. Well, you're not going to believe this, but Kansas is projected one of the in the league final. Dead leg, Bill Self has coached 20 seasons at Kansas. He's won 17 Big 12 titles, 12 outright, 5 shared. Would you take KU or the field in the Big 12 this season? The field, it's a field for sure. Kansas That's is- actually not a, historically, not a smart bet. I'm going to take it this season. Um, good morning and uh, fighting through. Woke up with the cold out of nowhere, scratchy throat. So I think we're going to make it through. But uh, but if I got to uh, pause to sneeze here, just uh, just deal with it. Um, Ken Palm rankings came out over the weekend. Good morning. Happy Monday morning to everyone. And welcome back to our previews. Hope you're enjoying it. We got to get into some Big 12 here. Kansas is number two at Ken Palm. Purdue is number one. Houston is number three. So Kansas obviously still is the uh, the narrow favorite, but the favorite nonetheless in the eyes of Ken Palm has been the number one team for many a prognosticator on the human side, um, which is which is understandable. Ken Palm actually ran uh, a new kind of uh, poll. Did you vote in the human poll, GP? Did you wind up doing that not. or no? I did not. I make fun of AP voters. I do not participate with them. Okay. Well, human isn't actually it's an acronym on the Ken Palm side. He basically. Uh, had you know close to 800 subscribers to his website vote vote in ways that eliminated uh, all kinds of bias and Kansas came in number one in his human poll um, and so the Jayhawks should be the favorite but if you're asking me to take the field or Kansas I'm going to take the field there's a lot of really really good teams in the Big 12 and a lot of teams that should have reasonable Final Four hopes reasonable second weekend hopes so I will stick with the Jayhawks what about you you taking Kansas or you taking the field I would take Kansas just like if you tell me yes or no, Kansas is going to end up with at least a share of the Big 12 title. I mean, again, Bill Self's been there for 20 years and 17 times the answer has been yes. And they, they're they're going to be 
they are preseason number one in the top 25 and one. I'm assuming, like you mentioned, uh, AP poll comes out later. I'm assuming they'll be number yeah. one there. Less than yeah. two hours from now, the AP top 25 preseason will debut. So this pod will be done before we know that, but there's a very, very good chance KU will be number one there. Yeah, yeah. in most leagues, I would take the field over anybody. But I think in the Big 12, just, you know, the history is what it is. As great as this league is consistently. And once again, it will start the season at Kempom ranked as the number one league in the country. It's still, even if this is a seven or eight bid league, and we'll get to that, it still historically makes sense just to say, yeah, Kansas. At the end of it, I don't know how. Remember last season, you had Kansas State looking like a real factor, Texas looking like a real factor, and we would constantly, so who you, how you think it's going to shape up now? And we just go, well, I got, it's one way or another, and by the end of it, it'll be Kansas. That's usually the way this stuff goes. Let's just uh, focus in on Kansas just a little bit more here. Obviously, the Jayhawks had their own dedicated summer shoot-around episode. If you're catching up on our Big 12 stuff, but you might have dipped out on the offseason, go back in the feed. We've got 22 summer shoot-around episodes. Kansas is one of them, and we did a deeper dive there. Uh, projected starting five, you'll have Hunter Dickinson. You'll have Kevin McCuller, who's back, an elite defender. Dewan Harris, one of the best defending point guards and really a pass first point guard. He's a huge, huge returnee. KJ Adams is also back. So you've got three familiar names back, plus the biggest name in the transfer portal. And then um, you'll have either Nick Timberlake, who's a transfer from Towson, who's expected to do a ton and a really good three-point shooter, or you'll have El Marco Jackson, who uh, I, I love. And I think he might not stand out as a top – 10 he may or may not stand up stand out as a top 10 freshman this season but i think he's got great long-term potential as a college player uh johnny furphy is also a freshman to know on this on this group there i had mentioned in our summer shoot around that i was a little skeptical about the overall depth of kansas i'm still there but um it's obviously a, a very strong group deservedly picked to win the big 12 i just don't think the gap between ku and the likes of teams we'll get to shortly is all that large so um i think it, i think there's a very distinct chance kansas could share a regular season title with uh, with one or two other teams or wind up getting usurped and finish second or third. Yeah, I, I think if you're looking for places that um, the roster suggests there could be issues, depth is probably one of them. That, of course, was uh, um, at least uh, made more of an issue by the dismissal of Arterio Morris uh, from the program after he was charged uh, with rape. <laughs> and so whatever um, – depth Kansas was going to have with him, it won't have without him. But still, um, the, the starting lineup, I think, is the best starting lineup in the country. It's it's uh, assuming Nick Timberlake is a part of it as opposed to Marco Jackson. It's one of the oldest starting lineups in the country. And even if you take Timberlake out, put Jackson in, you've got a five-star freshman to go with a bunch of experienced guys. Yeah, they're going to be running a lot of stuff through Hunter Dickinson, and he's new to the program. So I imagine there's some stuff there to work out. But on paper – um, it, it's, it looks like to me the best, if not the best roster, it's one of the best rosters. And then you combine it with the person who is widely regarded as the best active coach in college basketball. And to me, that's preseason number one. That is a team that, yes, I'm going to assume is going to, at the very least, get a share of the Big 12 title for the uh, what feels like the millionth straight year. All right. You want me to run down these five storylines heading into the season here in the Big 12? GP? Oh, I, I, there is nothing I want more than for you to tell us what the five biggest storylines in the Big 12 are heading into this season. But 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 first, uh, oh, I just I want to I want to get a word from a partner. Robert Half Research indicates nine out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this, too. That's why you need Robert Half. 
Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Get it in. Hey, Deadlight, what are the five biggest storylines in the Big 12 heading into this season? There's going to be no shortage of really good storylines, and I look forward to checking in midseason and seeing just what new ones we have that uh, that populate, that percolate and pop up here. But here are my five. Um, Big 12 has 14 teams for this season and this season only. I'll just run through these, and then you, uh, you piggyback off whatever talking point you want. Um, can it hold on to its claim as the best conference in college basketball because of this you know, expansion? More teams makes it maybe more likely you might not hold on to that number one ranking. It's number one heading into the season for Ken Palm. The Big 12 has been the top-ranked league uh, for most of the past decade. It was first in 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, and 19. It was second in 20 and 21, and then it was first – in 22 in this past season. So it has dominated this. It has indisputably been the best basketball league in the entire country. College basketball fans and our dedicated listeners are all too aware of this. Now with 14 teams in the mix, will it be able to maintain that status? I think that it will, but I think the gap will narrow. Uh, Storyline number two, fresh off its IARP non-punishment, although that uh, banner is coming down from 2018. KU is the favorite uh, with the highest profile transfer in Hunter Dickinson now. Will, Will Kansas... Not just take the league. Uh, will Dickinson match the hype as a top 10 player in the country? Maybe those things will wind up uh, needing to be attached in order for that to be true. Uh, we'll wait and see on that storyline. Three, Houston makes a jump up in league going from the American. It's obviously one of the four new schools in, joining the likes of BYU, UCF, and Cincinnati. Uh, Houston has finished top five the past three seasons at Ken Palm, and it has finished top 15 at Ken Palm in the past five seasons. Will the Cougars be able to keep pace? I think that's a pretty intriguing storyline that a lot of people are going to track. Uh, Storyline four, K-State went from being picked last a season ago to winning winning big in the league and making it to the Elite Eight. So year two for Jerome Tang will look like what? We'll get to the Wildcats in just a couple of minutes here. And then debated a few different talking points, but I think number five for me here is Texas rallying behind Rodney Terry last season who needed to basically make the elite eight to get that job. He got the job. Does the decision to keep him on and, 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 you know, give him a a five-year deal as the head coach. Will that have Texas keeping a pace? And by that, I mean, finishing top three in this league again, getting a top three seed in the NCAA tournament again, or will the depth of the conference lead to some disappointment with Texas? Longhorn fans are unfortunately a little bit familiar with sometimes having their program have some, Lofty expectations and then just falling short of that. We'll see whether or not it happens with Terry this season. Um, but he does uh, he does join the league as a full-time head coach here. He's not the only one, of course. And uh, and I'm intrigued to see what Texas can be because there's a lot to like there in the starting lineup. What are those um, do you want to piggyback on? What uh, stands out most to you, GP? Well, let me start with Texas. Um, even as Rodney was doing a terrific job with that team last season, uh, taking over for Chris Beard under less than ideal set of circumstances, there were people who would say, okay, yeah, but this is a team that Chris Beard built. And like, oh, it's great that Rodney Terry can keep it between the lines, so to speak. But like, you know, can he really build rosters like this and and keep Texas, you know, at or near the top of the Big 12 and by extension at or near the top of the sport? And Texas, you know, I, I've got them 20th in the preseason top 25 on one. <laughs> They're 16th preseason at Ken Palm. 
this is a team that Rodney, you know, Texas lost a lot from last season. This is a team that Rodney Terry has largely uh, built. And so we'll see where it goes from here. But I don't think there's anything, correct me if I'm wrong, I don't think there's anything that's happened since the day Texas removed the interim tag and made Rodney Terry the head coach um, of the Longhorns. I don't think there's anything that's happened that would make you think, ooh, I don't, you know, have second thoughts about it. It's been all good stuff. You know, he's he's got him positioned once again as the permanent – not permanent, nothing's ever permanent, but as the full-time head coach of the Longhorns, he's got Texas positioned to to be a top-20 team in America, to compete for Kansas – compete with Kansas, Houston, Baylor at the top of the Big 12. It's all been good stuff since he took over. Yeah, for the most part. I mean, if you want to look at the, the only, like, uh, down points, they fell – it was a road game, but they fell at Texas Tech last season, mid-February. Um, not a great loss, but it didn't really impact their seating situation all that much. And uh, they gave up 116 at home to Kansas State in early January. But your point is well taken, and it's largely uh, it's largely been good stuff there. Now we see if it can continue. Uh, Roddy Terry is, is highly beloved uh, in and around that area, and he did more than enough to uh, to get that job. Let's talk. Hey, let, me, let, me, let me add one more thing because oh. I – I don't have any issue with anybody claiming the Big 12 is going to be the best league in the country because okay. it probably will be. I just did the SEC preview. I think the SEC is going to be the best league in the country this year. All right, there we go. The Big 12 reigns ends, according to Gary Parrish. Big 12 reign is over, according to Gary Parrish. It's over! I don't mean that. I just think I was – as I'm going through it, I'm like, man, this team's 11th, and I think they could be pretty good. This team's 12th, and I think they could be pretty good. It, for, for, whatever, for whatever it matters, uh, the Big 12 – Every single team is preseason top 75 at Kimpom. But in the SEC, every single team is top 82. Okay. SEC will be the best basketball league in the country this year. All right. And you can look forward to that episode in the feed later this week. I will stay with Big 12 sticking as the best league narrowly. Um, I just did one through 10 here. It's just it's still it's still too strong for me um, overall. What teams are making the tournament? Let's get into our order here of, uh, of how we see this conference shaking out. So last season, seven schools from the Big 12 made the NCAA tournament. Kansas got a one seed. Surprise, surprise. Texas got a two. They did. Keep talking about all those points they gave up to Kansas State. They still got a two seed deadline. They, I, I, I'm in complete agreement that Texas got a two seed and was a very good team last season. That's Baylor funny. and Kansas State both got three seeds. TCU and Iowa State both got six seeds. West Virginia got a nine seed. Big 12, fewer than seven, more than seven, exactly seven teams in the 2024 NCAA tournament. Why don't you answer that and then run us through who makes it while unveiling how you expect the the final Big 12 standings to maybe look. All right, will do. Um, Nada, is this not, is this, this, by the way, as I do this, does this mic sound a little bit different to you, Nada? Are we better? I might have been on my on my onboard Mac mic there, so you let me know if it sounds a little bit better there. Um, I, I tell you, whatever mic you were on, it sure does pick up coughs. Well, yeah, yeah, I thought I, I was muting myself. Sorry, I got the. I woke up with this cold. My B. I tell my you, B. whatever mic, whatever mic you're using, better. there we go. Whatever <laughs> mic you're using, buddy, it's really it's good. It's good with coughs. That'd be my onboard mic that I was not muting. Apologies to the listeners. I am now on the right microphone. Hello and good morning. I'm going to say eight teams make the tournament from the Big Twelve here. So. I'll go Kansas at the one spot. I'll give you a little team rundown as I do this. I'll say I'm going to say Baylor is number two. So I'm I'm bullish on the Bears. Um, Jacoby Walter is the big freshman name to know there. 
I expect him to be more impactful all around, although he's a different kind of player. Keontae George was a very good player and parlayed his one-and-done season into being a top-20 pick. I think Walter will be better for the Bears this season than even George was. Everyday John, uh, Jonathan Chamochacho is back, as is Jalen Bridges. Those are key returnees. Uh, they still have you know, good role players like Langston Love, Caleb Lohner. I think they'll both be factors. Jaden Nunn, by way of VCU, comes aboard. And then there's a lot of buzz coming out of Waco about this player, Eves Missy. He's a 6'10", 4 man, getting rave reviews, expected to pop and be a major factor there. All those players will be tremendously impactful. But I think Ray J. Dennis, who comes by way of Toledo and is one of the most important transfers, um, I think he winds up being one of the most statistically impressive players in the conference, and he guides Baylor to the second-place finish in the Big 12, narrowly edging Houston. Now, Houston loses. I've got them. I've got the Cougs third. They've got Sasser gone, Jairus Walker gone, a couple of first-round picks, and then Tremont Mark is off to Arkansas. In comes LJ Cryer by way of Baylor. Um, Damian Dunn comes by way of Temple. They get Jamal Shedd back, which is big. Juwan Roberts back. That's big. Terrence Arsenault, who I told you a year ago, is going to be awesome. He didn't really get a lot of run. I do expect him to be a pretty big factor as a sophomore here. Um, question is, will Cryer, Shed, and Arsenault combine to score more than 45 a night? I think that's on the table. And I think they might need... Houston might need them to do that in order to keep pace as a top three team. I do like the Cougars a lot. Uh, if you missed it off the top here, I did mention that Houston in the 2024 Ken Palm rankings, third in the country, only behind Purdue and Kansas. Fourth in the league, I've got the Longhorns. I think they should be a Final Four contender because I think they have one of the more well-rounded starting fives in the country. Max Aspis now joins after playing at Oral Roberts, and he'll play alongside a guy that I think is going to be awesome this season in Tyrese Hunter. Texas fans know all about him. Big 12 fans know all about him. Iowa State fans certainly know all about him. I think uh, I think that Tyrese is going to have a just a huge season. And I think Dylan DeSue is right there in line as well. He'll be a big presence in the front court. And we did, we did a uh, summer shoot-around episode on Texas as well where we got into a little bit of the Dylan Mitchell disappointment as a freshman. But maybe he doesn't get lost in the mix this season. So him playing alongside another key transfer, Caden Shedrick, who comes by way of Virginia, adds more defensive stability there. There's even more to like about Texas, but I like that foursome, and I think that is considered basically the foursome that's atop of the league. All those teams get into the tournament. I think they're all going to be anywhere between a one and a four seed. Then I've got K-State as the fifth best team in the league. Now, I'm doing a lot of this based on of what Jerome Tang was able to do last year because he loses... Keontae Johnson, Marquise Noel, Desi Sills, and Ish Masood. But Naquan Tomlin is back, and he's an important front court player. Cam Carter returns. K-State fans know how important he's going to be. Plus, you bring in Arthur Kaluma from Creighton. Tyler Perry, a very important floor general from North Texas. I think K-State could be anywhere from number four to number nine in the Big 12, but I'm going to lean with Tang. Uh, the vibes are just too good to, uh, to fade them at this point. So I got them at five. And then at six, I've got another team in purple, and that's TCU which is trying to make a third straight NCAA tournament. This was previously unheard of uh, down there in Fort Worth. But Jamie Dixon is doing a great job, and he brought in three big transfers. Avery Anderson from Oklahoma State. Ernest Uday, who's come by way of Kansas and is there because Hunter Dickinson transferred to Kansas. So TCU gets the benefit there. Watch him pop, I would think. And then Jameer Nelson Jr. from Delaware, one of the better small conference transfer ads that went that was an up transfer there. Emmanuel Miller is obviously the big name to know at TCU. He is a sleeper pick to be a first-team All-Big 12 guy. Two more teams I've got into the tournament. Then GPL, I'll hand it over to you before we get to the bottom half of this league. I'm going to say Iowa State makes it. 
Omaha Bilyeu is a freshman to know, and he is, I think, the best freshman to, to come to Ames, or at least it will be the most impactful since they had a guy named Halliburton play there. Um, speaking of the point guard, though, Bilyeu is going to play more of the wing. Uh, Tam and Lipsy will be back. He's got to shoot better, but he's a very important player there. TJ Altsberger, I think, has earned the benefit of the doubt when we talk about Iowa State. Maybe not competing to win the Big 12, but just doing enough to, uh, you know, wreck other teams and their seasons uh, and, you know, in these kind of mini stages and building into an NCAA tournament resume. So I've got Iowa state seven and then there's some teams going to surprise here. So I'm going to say Cincinnati rises and gets into the tournament, maybe goes to the first four big 12 will get eight into the field. Wes Miller in his third season, I'm going to say he gets there. Uh, Victor Locken is a very impressive big, he might be a guy that some big 12 fans aren't familiar with because Cincinnati hasn't been in the league, but I think he could be a top, four big man in this entire conference and uh, Edger and James's son Jizzle James he's a freshman on this team I don't know if he'll start to start the season but he's an impact player and I think he'll do well so that is my one to eight all making the tournament what about you I also have eight teams in the NCAA tournament from the big 12 um I do think the way you laid it out at the top is is accurate in the sense that there are four that I think have to be ranked in some order at the top, and that's Kansas, Houston, Baylor, Texas. I, I don't, I don't want to like if you want to throw Kansas State in the top four based on what Tang did last year. And hey, you're not going to surprise me again. That's fine. He deserves the benefit of the doubt after an incredible first year as a head coach. But I, on, on paper, to me, and the Ken Palm rankings, uh, you know, suggest this as well. There's a clear top four in the league in some order, and it's Kansas, Houston, Baylor, Texas. At five, I've got Iowa State. I think I'm a little higher on Iowa State than most. I've got Iowa State just on the outside of the top 25 and one, um, but fifth in the Big 12. They're 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 um, 31st at Kinpom in the preseason. So uh, maybe I'm in line with the computers, but most human rankings I've seen have Iowa State a little lower than top five in the Big 12. I've got Iowa State five, Kansas State six, TCU seven, and then my last team from the Big 12 to get in the tournament is Texas Tech. Why don't you believe in Texas Tech? They got a first-year coach and a lot of unproven players, so I'm just going to wait. And see that's a, it's exact. You could have said the same thing about Kansas State last I year. I absolutely were, could have. And they were Texas in the Elite State Eight. State. They were in the Elite Eight. How many years in a row? All right, you gonna, so you're picking Texas Tech to make the Elite Eight and win the Big Twelve. If I, I've, got, if, I've got the SEC. If you're go the with one league mode of thinking. Let's just take it all yep. the way to its logical. I've got end. the Texas SEC just, the to, just to make sure we're all on board. I've got the SEC as the best league in the country and Texas Tech in the Elite Eight. Okay. Wreck them. How do you Wreck do that? Indeed. How do you do that? Yeah. I don't know. Case they didn't win the league last season, just so we're clear, but it, it was uh it was highly impressive. Got a three seed and made the Elite Eight. So you've got Texas if you if you matched it, you'd have Texas Tech getting a three seed, making the Elite Eight, and finishing tied for third in the Big Twelve this season. And I've got Grant McCaslin uh, standing on a scores table. Yes. At some point. The, I think stuff. I think McCaslin's gonna He's a really, really good coach, and they're going to be a pain in the ass to play. Um, but they, there's, you know, they bring in Joe Toussaint from West Virginia, uh, Devin Cambridge and Warren Washington from Arizona State. Uh, the games, like the Texas Tech Iowa State game, the first one to fifty-one might win that game, and then that's fine. Both those coaches don't mind playing that style. Um, McCaslin might overshoot my expectations. I don't, I don't disregard that very distinct possibility. But I, so, again. 14 teams, man. Uh, and, and this kind of league, like you get to the situation where you're looking at teams like eight through 12 and 13. You're like, oh my 
gosh, I like how you don't you're not comfortable with with any way that you project the league. But I do not have Texas Tech eighth. I don't have ninth. I don't have tenth. I've got Texas Tech in the eleven hole in my project. Well, this will this will forever go down as the season where I believed in the Red Raiders and you expressed incredible amounts of skepticism on exactly what Grant McCaslin <laughs> can do in Lubbock, Texas. They'll be talking about this ages from now. That's right. This is gonna, you know, when people look back on this, when people look back on this, <laughs> will they? There's gonna there's gonna be a clear. The one thing everybody's gonna remember is um. Mm. One of these people really believed in Texas Tech, and the other one was incredibly skeptical. And I think I'll be on the right side of history. I just want to be on the right side of history, Deadleg, you know? We'll see about that one. Uh, all right, but we both got eight in. Both got eight in. Which means you must have more than eight from the SEC making the tournament then. But we'll wait for that on the show later this week. I'll have to I'll have to construct that now. Here, all right. You tell me how the rest. Tell me how the rest of the Big Twelve shakes out for you, and then I'll okay. I've got it. Uh, Oklahoma at nine, BYU at ten, Oklahoma State at eleven. Your Cincinnati Bearcats at twelve. You've always hated Wes Miller. Always. Well, I mean, I I was raised on the Metro Conference, which was then allowed my formative years. I was raised on the Great Midwest Conference. Cincinnati's been a rival of mine. You, do you have any idea what Nick Van Exel did to me? Personally, I'm unaware. Personally, do you know what Nick Van Exel did to me? What did he do? He beat my Tigers four times in one year. <laughs> Twice in the regular season, in the Great Midwest Championship game, and in the Elite Eight of the NCAA Tournament. Nick Van Exel is the biggest villain of my childhood. True story. True story. He comes back here, Grizz- Memphis gets the Grizzlies. They're playing in the Pyramid, which is where the Tigers used to play before it became a Bass Pro Pyramid. It's now the Bass Pro Pyramid. Yeah. Like if you want a bow and arrow, you can go to the same place Nick Van Exel used to play basketball. It's a fact. Yeah, All right? I'm told that uh, – I didn't see this with my own eyes, but this was a story I was told. Nick Van Exel walked into the Pyramid for the first time as like a Laker or wherever. First time coming back to Memphis since the last time he played in Memphis as a Bearcat. And Nick Van Exel walks in the pyramid, looks up, sees a Elliot Perry retired jersey and a Penny Hardaway retired jersey and a Keith Lee retired jersey. And Nick Van Exel looks up and goes, man, I can't believe they didn't hang my number in this place. That's right. Badass. That's, I love that's, Nick Van Exel's game. So Cincinnati has to be right. has to be 12th. I'm punishing them for what they did to my, me as a teenager. That's fair. It is fair when you think about it. I think we've talked about this before in terms of like what Van Exel and that story. I think we've talked about everything before. Uh, we're getting there. I don't know if we've really uh, conquered all the ages and eras, but we're getting I there. have reached the point. I've realized this because yeah. I, I tell stories every day. It's my job to tell stories. And I don't do as much stuff anymore. I've run out of stories. I don't do things anymore. You got to start doing some more stuff. I got to start doing some stuff. Yeah. You know, maybe I'll go to Lubbock. Nick Van Exel, by the way, an assistant for the Hawks these days. Mm-hmm. Sharing offices with Mike Bray. How about that? Who would have thought? <laughs> Nick Van Exel and Mike Bray down in Atlanta eating. Guaranteed they both have tremendous stories there. Okay, let's finish out this Big 12 projection. You got Cincinnati at 12 because you've always hated Wes Miller and Nick Van Exel is your mortal enemy. That's I'm right. going to say you've got the ears at 13 and then UCF at 14. I've got West Virginia at 13, UCF at 14. I am on record. UCF will never win a Big 12 title. 
until That's, Dusty May until Dusty May coaches them. Until he coaches them. Okay. If you want to <laughs> just say ever, I mean. I don't feel like that's a stretch of logic. No, I would say never. Yeah. Does UCF ever win a Big 12 title in, in men's basketball? No. Ever. Yeah. Let's just ever. let's just keep it to regular season. Postseason, that's a little bit fluky. You never know. I don't want to – at the risk of quoting Taylor Swift, I would say never, ever. Okay. Don't feel like never, she's ever. a trademark on those two words back-to-back, back, but yes, fair enough. She does. She does. All right. Here's my back half. I've got – I've got the Cowboys at nine. Um, Javon Small is a, is a transfer who's going to run the point. He came from East Carolina. Really good player. Um, could be one of the more impactful transfers. This league, and we'll get to this at the end of the show, there's just so many transfers in this league that I think they're going to play a big part. Eric Daly Jr. is another good freshman to know about in this league. Bryce Thompson is back. Um, not a lot of buzz about the Cowboys, but Mike Boynton, I think he's going to He'll have him in the mix in the in the discussion to make the tournament. I've got him just narrowly missing. And then I've got Oklahoma. We did a summer shoot-around episode on the Oklahoma Sooners um, <laughs> because they won because one of their fans ponied up <laughs> and got it done. So if you want a deep dive on the Sooners, no other podcast has you covered like this one. You can go find that in our feed there. Um, they'll have a good three-guard attack. But there are nine new faces in the fold. Um I like Milos Yuzan a lot, a lot. He's an NBA prospect, but I just don't know if anyone really knows what to expect from Oklahoma. A decent candidate to be a, a surprise team, but Porter Moser's just had to rebuild three straight seasons in a row. Then I've got Texas Tech. Uh, we mentioned them before. We'll see what Grant McCaslin and what kind of damage he can do in year one. I think by year three, Texas Tech, it could even happen in year two, but by year three, I think McCaslin's got Tech in the tournament with, with plenty of room to spare. And then my bottom three teams are BYU, I think that's the hardest team to project in the league. And I have BYU at the low. Like, I think their worst case scenario is where I have them at 12, 12 out of 14 teams. Um, they've got good length. They've got a solid front court, but I don't know how much dependability they have in their backcourt. And so because of that, I think, I think I'm going to have them stumbling out of the gate just a little bit here. Uh, and then I've got West Virginia, which there isn't a team in the country whose projection was altered more in the off between, you know, April 30th. And here we are in the, in, you know, the first half of October than West Virginia. Now Mountaineers fans, I think, I think West Virginia fans still have a decent dose of optimism that this team in this roster can get it together enough in a tough league and scrap together and install a tournament bid. And I'm not saying that's not possible. I think it could be on the table, but you've got a coach who has no head coaching experience, Josh Eilert, and you lost Trey Mitchell to Kentucky. Jose Perez just committed to Arizona State over the weekend, so he's out as well. Uh, just a lot of unanswered questions, and I think it's reasonable just to say, got to prove it at this point. You do have Kirk Kreese aboard. You do have Jesse Edwards aboard. Again, even more transfers to consider. That should be high impact. But I just don't know. Um, I just got to gotta see. And then I've got UCF last Johnny Dawkins is still there. This team went 19 and 15 last season and was a top 60 team in the country, but it doesn't really return a lot of impact players. And so it's actually reached the point where everyone is picking UCF to be the worst team in the big 12. So now I'm convinced that won't happen and it'll be, you know, 11, 12 or 13 and someone else will wind up in the cellar. But from a projection standpoint, I think UCF being 14, I think is uh it's a fair outlook. So that's uh 
that's a look at GP and I, you know, one to 14. This is the only year that, again, this will be a 14 team league. We got Texas and Oklahoma involved this season. And of course, they scoot next year. And when we preview the Big 12 a year from now, it'll have at least 16 teams involved because Arizona, Arizona State, Colorado, and Utah will be joining the league in 2024. And, and hey, maybe Gonzaga someday too. Potentially Gonzaga. We'll see about that. I'm going to we'll say, I'm going to say Gonzaga is not in the league in 2024. But as always, I'm willing to be quite wrong about that. Um, Who's going to be the player of the year? Who's going to be the freshman of the year? We'll predict that next. But first, one more word from our partners. All right, Norlander. The Big 12 player of the year will be? You tell me. Hunter Dickinson. But I could see Max Asmus, and I could see LJ Cryer. Like, this is one where I don't think it's obvious. Like, you go to the Big 10, it's got to be Zach Eady. Um I guess you can have a, a, a different answers in the SEC. Um, this is one where I think most people will say Hunter Dickinson, and I believe it will be him. But, man, if Ace scores at Texas the way he scored at Oral Roberts, he's going to have to be a factor in that. And, like, LJ Cryer is – like, he's a proven commodity for a top 20 team. That guy's always going to be in the running. So, I'm not going to pick uh, – I'm I'm I had Dickinson, but I'm going to shift off that. Um, and it's not because I don't think Dickinson will be good. I do think he will be good, but Kansas has such a good starting five, and I expect such big things out of KJ Adams. And McCuller has a ton of experience there. Dewan Harris isn't going to put up like huge scoring numbers. I just wonder if. Dickinson will be good, but we look up at the end of the season and there might just be a player whose numbers are that much better and he's going to guide him, his team to a high seed, and that's why. So I have I have Ray J. Dennis at Baylor as my preseason pick for player of the year. I'll put Dickinson second, and then I don't have Ace Smith third. On my, I have Tyrese Hunter from Texas. I think Tyrese Hunter will be Texas's best and most important player. Um certainly has a great chance to be their best two-way player no doubt about that so that is my one through three order and because of that i've been trying to give you a transfer of the year the big 12 has so many candidates but i got if i've got ray j dennis as the player of the year then he's going to be the transfer of the year because he comes by way of toledo beating out the likes of dickinson tyler perry at k-state's another one edwards and crease at west virginia crier to houston is an obvious candidate uh, arthur kaluma to k-state uh, we mentioned the TCU transfers as well. They're all over the board here. This is going to be a league that will be determined in no small part by transfers, and that has not been the case historically across the sport. But More recently, obviously, transfers have had a big impact. I think the Big 12 stands to have the best chance to be a microcosm of the trend that we've seen sweep the country because of the portal in the past three years, and you're going to see a lot of teams' as destinies impacted in a significant way because of who they did or did not get in the portal. So give me narrowly Ray J Dennis. Cause I think he's going to be a scoring stud and we'll get Baylor to number two in the conference. Freshman of the year. I've got Jacoby Walter at Baylor followed by Omaha Baloo at Iowa state and El Marco Jackson at Kansas. That's my one through three, but I lean toward the freshman at Baylor. I also lean toward Walter at Baylor. I think he is objectively has to be the pick because he stands to play the most and have the biggest statistical impact. And, a very fun player. If you've not seen him yet, you're going to enjoy watching him a lot. I had Jackson number two at Kansas, and then I had Omaha at, at, at uh, Iowa State number three. So we have the same three, just a different order. We both have Walter winning freshman of the year. 
And is this the appropriate time to welcome Terry Teagle back to? Well, first of all, are you going to take Bill Self coach of the year? Well, of course. Favorite to win and to get it, you're going to you team you have winning it. You're picking for coach of the year, right? Yeah, yeah that's my rule. Yeah, I think I'm going to do that as well. I think I, I, I'm going to take Bill Self uh, looking at my projections. If it's Kansas and Baylor, then Houston and Texas and K-State and TCU, then Iowa State and then Cincinnati, like one through eight in that order. Um, I think in that scenario, it would probably be Self that wins it. Although I will say we hope there are no injuries, but oftentimes what can happen sometimes is the team outperforms after facing a litany of injuries and that can lead to a coach getting coach of the year. And sometimes I feel like that, that that's worth consideration, but we both have Self winning coach of the year with Kansas winning the league, which seems fair. And now we must get to, we must get to the, uh, the Terry Teagle portion of the program here. Do you want to do a quick reset for our listeners on what the hell this is all about? Cause I still, to this day, we even get questions here and there occasionally, like what was that Terry Teagle stuff about? Why'd you shout him out? Now you haven't shouted him out for, you know, like a year and a half or whatever. You want to just uh, do a yeah, well, quick primer. Once upon a time, once upon a time do you remember the player? Baylor had a player who was like set to go down top 10, top something, could be the something, something. It was like in the record books. He was having a great career. All right. No, it was somebody could be the first consensus all American at Baylor since who? And we were like, oh. and then it was like, it was Terry Teagle. Yeah. And I would, and I think the first time we ever said his name, we, I said Terry Teagle, like we had it wrong. We're talking like, 2015, maybe 2016. Here. Long time ago. All right. And uh, so then it was like, we already had Devin Downey. We stumbled into Terry Teagle. We'll just shout out Devin Downey. We'll shout out Terry Teagle. We subsequently added the Huck and Larnell. Huck, yep. by the way, is Scott Drew's dog. Is that correct? I, th- I thought. Or is it the c- sister's dog? Wow. Who is how Huck? You, how, how bad are you right now? I'm real bad. Who is Huck? Wow. Okay. Tell me who Huck is. I forgot. You're the one that had it on the list, man. You're the one who had it. And look what you've done. I think Huck is the family dog. I think Huck is Scott you've Drew's dog. It. Huh? Lost, you've lost it. And I think what I lost it? my Bryce drop. Where's Bryce? I don't even have my Bryce drop. Oh, there it is. There it is. This is Bryce, and I don't care. Or is Huck is Huck Dana's dog? Yeah. <laughs> you're really you, you're really losing your storytelling abilities right now. It's just just tell me who Huck is and, and I'll and I'll move on. I think it's the, I think it's the it's his I think it's the it's the dog of the family. I don't think I don't think Scott Drew's got Huck. You're the one who kept track of all this. We I don't gotta have figure this. out who Huck it's is. Not my, it's I mean, not I've my got, purview. This isn't my got, bailiwick. Okay, I got Scott and Kelly plus Mackenzie, Peyton, and Brody. I got that. All right. Yeah. yeah. And then there's Homer and Janet, obviously. Bryce and Tara. Dana. She's married to Casey. And then they've got Bryson, Anna, Isaiah, Caleb, and Luke. And then Huck. Huck the dog. There you go. Okay. Continue. So we start shouting at Huck. We start shouting at Larnell. He was DeAndre Ayton's back guy. <laughs> I just think that's funny. And then uh, so we had we had a list of Devin Downey, Terry Teagle, Huck, and Larnell. At some point, somebody asked Terry Teagle about what it's like to be shouted out on the Island College Basketball Podcast. And he – he said he didn't know what they were talking uh, about. He didn't. He, he, he did not. He did not. They're dead to me. Who are these? Clowns? At the risk of quoting both Taylor Swift and Roman Reigns in the same podcast about basketball, he did not acknowledge us. You know how no. Roman Reigns just wants to be acknowledged? I don't. But he continue. puts his one in the air and he says, acknowledge me. He wants to be acknowledged, right? Okay. And 
we're a lot like Roman Reigns. We're I like the, felt that. Yes. We're like the Roman Reigns of podcasts. Uh, no, no question. We're basically the bloodline. Okay. And uh, when Terry Teagle would not acknowledge us, I felt disrespected. If I'm be, I don't want to speak for you. I felt disrespected. No, this was my push. Let's be clear. Yeah, we, Norlander also felt disrespected, and he was like, "We got to get rid of Terry Teagle now." And I was like, "I think we do." All right. Yeah. Fast well, for the so, content, by the way. Just so so for years, for I, I think quite a bit of time, we've been we have omitted I feel like Terry. He was Teagle. asked around the final four of twenty one. I feel Maybe. like that was the the area. So we're at two plus years here, I think. Yeah. So we just got rid of him. I, I took my Terry Teagle. Uh, card that I had bought online and I set it face burned down it. on yeah. my desk. I burned it. Yeah. I did not burn <laughs> it. It's still, it's still in my studio, but it's face down. I, I, I put it face down. So I said, uh, so then uh, Scott drew Texas um, a few, maybe a month ago, month and a half ago, a little while. He said, Hey, listen, Terry Teagle is going into the, I believe Southwest conference hall of fame. You should never take him not knowing who you were as disrespect. This all this guy does is fish and ride horses. He's country. He does. He's not messing around with the internet or podcast. He he he's the nicest man in the world. <laughs> he just doesn't know your world exists. And at that point, I was like, you know what? That's good enough for me. If Scott Drew is vouching for Terry Teagle, that's good enough for me. Norlander still said no. No, 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 no. I didn't say no. I didn't respond to the text thread. I didn't tell it <laughs> Scott Drew in text. Norlander's out of it. He's like, I don't want nothing to do with this. All right. I go so, the text thread. That's right. So then, uh, so then, last. So at, the, week, hold on. at this point, you tried to get him back into the shouts, and I said, "Listen, listen. Let's <laughs> just let's wait this out. We got to we got to discuss this." And then between that happening and this episode today, Ashley Hodge, yeah. who covers. Baylor Bears, and I think was responsible for the excommunication of Terry Teagle to begin with, <laughs> tried to make amends, and he shows up at, uh, he works with Sikkim 365. We're going to shout out David Kay, the former Baylor SID, who is now, he continues to move up on, move on up in the world down there. And uh, so we got a text five d- days ago asking if we wanted uh Ashley asking, you know, you want me to go up to Terry Teagle and uh, <laughs> and and ask him about you guys and, and get him to shout you guys out? And uh, Paris said, yes, absolutely. I, again, uh, didn't respond to the text thread. I uh, wanted to see what happened. And uh, and eventually, eventually I did. And then I hope this is going to play. I'm going to play this. I hope you can hear this. This is five seconds of Terry Teagle shouting your boys out here. Shout out to Gary Pass. And Matt Norlander, they are legends. They're legends. Let me play that one more time because I don't think I recognize this first fella here. Shout out to Gary Pass and Matt Norlander. They are legends. He is. That fella is country because I heard Gary Pash. Buddy, that sounded exactly right to me. I grew up in Mississippi. Me and Terry Teagle, more or less from the same place. Shout out to Gary Pass and Matt Norlander. They are legends. That sounds perfect to me. Terry Teagle. You nailed my name. Appreciate you. So now we come to the discussion of whether Terry Teagle has earned his way back into the end of episode shouts. This, this right here. I mean, he still doesn't know who the hell we are. No, no, no chance. No, no, chance. no chance. He no knows chance. who we are. Yeah. We are two buffoons, two goofballs, two clowns, two non SWC hall of famers, by the way. 
I leave it up to you. I feel like you're gonna you're gonna you know induct him back in. I'm a forgiving man. Yeah, I'm a forgiving man. I think the greatest thing you can do for another person is accept their apology. And I know Terry Teagle didn't technically apologize. He didn't. That's the thing. He's never apologized. Well, like, here's the thing. He still doesn't know who we are. Okay. So he can't apologize for not knowing who we are because he still doesn't even know. I feel like, I feel like he's worthy of getting back in, but maybe like, you know, if Baylor comes up in an episode, you have a little note there and he gets to shout out. I don't know. No apology coming our I don't know if it's in every episode shout. That's my only thing. It's Terry MF and Teagle. It's a legend. Scott Drew asked us. It's Scott, how about I'll keep it this simple. Scott Drew asked me to do something. Who am I to say no to Scott Drew? Well, I mean, <laughs> okay. if Scott Drew asks you to write a slandering article about Kansas and Texas. Are you going to do it? I have done it. Okay. All right. There you go. So you are for sale. You are for hire. Okay. Yeah. Scott Drew, if you want me to add, yeah. write a scathing article about Kansas and Texas, text me. I'll do it. Whatever you need. So Whatever you need. Okay. All right. That's great. Integrity of podcast. Just down the train. All right. You do what you got to do. I'm Shouts back. to Devin Downey. Okay. Shouts to Chester, South Carolina. Shouts to Huntmore now. And shouts to Terry M.F. and Teagle. There he is. Legend. Thank you guys once again for watching, listening to the Iron College Basketball Podcast. If you're not subscribed, please go subscribe anywhere you subscribe to podcasts, including Apple Podcasts and Spotify. I love this accent. Hmm? One more time. I love this accent, man. Shout out to Gary Pass and Matt Nolan. They are legends. (laughs) He and Terry Teagle could be neighbors. Based on nothing more Hold than on. that. You don't sound anything like Terry Teagle. What are you talking about? I know, but I used to. Okay. I used to. I, I, I had to shed my accent to become a multimedia superstar. And then and then sell your credibility to whoever Scott Drew asks you to do. That's exactly right. Okay. There we go. That's exactly what I'm I done. think you've got a show in like three minutes, so I'm going to shut up and let you wrap up the podcast. <laughs> I do. I have a, I, hey, if you ain't had enough of this... I'll be right back on YouTube in three minutes <laughs> talking about completely different things, but it, but in the same ways. Five stars, nice review. There's more of us than there are of them. That's got to be reflected in the comments. So do that if you haven't already done it, and we're going to talk to you again real soon. Till then, 